Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. This is the sound of the city of Rabat. Back in December, the streets around me were filled with tens of thousands of jubilant fans to welcome back a football team that had just made World Cup history. King Mohammed of Morocco led the celebrations as the Atlas Lions returned home following their historic World Cup campaign in Qatar. Morocco, United Africa, as well as the entire Arab world are becoming... Yes, Morocco made an amazing, groundbreaking run to become the first ever African nation to reach the semi-finals of one of the biggest sporting events on the planet. Hello, I'm Lee James, live in Qatar with the World Cup headlines. Africa have their first ever World Cup semi-finalists. What a day, what a match. History has been made. Let's just head to Rabat. I can't imagine what it must be like there. And join the BBC's Haja Shafag. Haja, what's it like there? People are coming out of nowhere. People are storming the streets of Rabat. It's pure joy. Everybody's screaming. Everybody is dancing. I've seen people crying, hugging. It was absolutely insane. If you can hear people are celebrating. And this was a team that hadn't made it to the knockout stages for 36 years. A team that had sacked their manager just three months before the tournament and a team that had been drawn in what looked like a nightmare group with not only a finalist but also a semi-finalist from the last World Cup in 2018. Despite all that, they made it to the last four, beating the mighty Spain and Portugal in the knockouts. So how did they defy the odds? I'm losing words, you know. Uh, I mean, the, this is history and uh, it was so, so crazy, excited. <laughs> Nothing can compare to what I've just lived. Nothing. You English people keep saying it's coming from home. It's not. It's coming from Morocco. It's coming from Morocco. Trust me. The way they fought, it, it was just so rejoicing to see them like, fighting for one another. For me, that's the real definition of a teamwork makes a dream work. And can Morocco use that run to the semis in Qatar to turn themselves into an international football powerhouse? Not only in the men's game, but also in the women's game. 
woman reflects on a huge shock at the 2022 Women's Africa Cup of Nations. The holders Nigeria are out after they were beaten on penalties by Morocco in their semi-final. Hello from me, John Bennett. In this special edition of Sports World from Morocco, we'll tell the story of their unlikely men's World Cup adventure. We'll explore why success in 2022 has been a decade and several tens of millions of dollars in the making. We'll find out how Morocco have targeted second or third generation youngsters from across Europe. And we'll meet some of the big personalities driving the Atlas Lions and Atlas Lionesses forward. Sometimes, you know, there is a Moroccan player or African player have like a complex when he has to play against European or South American teams. Morocco show that possible. We spoke to our parents, a really lovely man. It's like you're speaking to a brother. It's not even, you don't even feel like speaking to a manager. It does the whole thing with him. The way that Morocco women's football can go, you know, it's scary. We could be a force. I'm jealous of all the girls who are in the under-20s, under-18s, because, you know, Morocco could be frightening. We have a good team, good spirit. Now it begins the more difficult. The beginning is now. Now you need to show what you can do. It's not only uh, one surprise, you know, and everybody is waiting you now. <laughs> you have a pressure, <laughs> and me too. <laughs> Tram goes past me here in Rabat with photos on the side of it of Morocco's World Cup stars in their red and green shirts. We have to start with a... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Reminder of why those players are now icons in this country. And to tell that tale, we're going to talk to one of the most important members of the team. Perhaps the most important. The man right at the centre of that picture on the side of the tram that's just gone past. He kept three clean sheets, became a penalty shootout hero in the last 16 and was a nominee for FIFA Best Goalkeeper of the Year. I am Yassim Bono, the goalkeeper of Sevilla Football Club and Morocco national team. It was amazing and uh, before the competition we had in our mind that we want to do more than three games but we never imagined that we can go uh, until the, the semi-final or the final. But when we start, we won against uh, important teams. We, we start to believe more. And yes, it was an incredible ex- experience. The build-up was strange because you changed coaches. One coach left, Walid Regragi came in. What, what impact did Walid Regragi have on the team? Yes, Walid had a big impact. 
he know very good the mentality of uh, the Moroccan player and uh, the Moroccan player who grow up in Europe and the Moroccan player who born in uh, Morocco so he understood very good uh, it uh, tactically he came with three four things important to respect in the field and uh, the team understood very good the ID and uh, it's because there is good talent too in the in the team so it was the perfect uh, combination it's interesting you talk about the mix of players where where the players are from some born in Morocco some born in European countries yourself you're born in Canada it's, it's a real mix but you really seem like a band of brothers how, how how good was the team spirit and how important was that in in your journey to the to the semi-finals that's true that we grow up in a different culture but our parents are from Morocco I think all the players and uh, we have something in common you know and uh, Walid he, he grew up in France he played in France he played in national team and he was coach of a Moroccan team in Africa so he understand the, the the Moroccan player and the, the Moroccan player who played in in Europe it's very important because with others coach sometimes it's you can understand some players and it's difficult sometimes I'm going to test your memory now because I'm going to, I want to go back to some games in the World Cup. So you drew nil-nil to Croatia. Really good start. Clean sheet for yourself. One of many clean sheets. Then it's the Belgium game next. And there was, there was a strange thing where you lined up for the national anthem and then you couldn't play. I just, If you wouldn't mind, tell us what happened there and how tough was it to watch that game from the sidelines? The first game against Croatia in one action in a corner. I, I kick with the another player of Croatia the game against uh, Belgium to arrive good to the game so we had to put an, an injection for the pain and uh, the doctor told me that the injection can be you know for one hour and one hour and a half so I say okay I will do the warm-up fast and before to enter to the field I put the injection to, to play the game without the pain when I when I fall down so after the injection, I, I was feeling strange, you know, and <laughs> I go in the tunnel with the, the two teams, Courtois come to, to say, hey, how are you, Bono? I was feeling very bad. And I spoke with the, uh, with the captain, with Roman Says. I say, Roman, I'm, I'm feeling very, I'm not feeling good, you know. I think the, the injection made me <laughs> something strange, you know. He say, wait, and I, I ask, uh, but if I enter and there is a, I, we can change the player or no? And I ask the the ref, you know, and the ref I think is Mexican ref in Spanish. I ask, you know, and he say no, no, no problem. You can do the and the anthem and uh, <laughs> and after you you go out. So it was very difficult for me because you know everybody see you and after you disappear. <laughs> <laughs> after the anthem, you know, I. I I go out, I go to clinic there is in, uh, inside the stadium. I was feeling better after. I saw the second half and we won. And it was a strange moment because I wanted to play the games and you don't know where, maybe if you lose, uh, you will not play more the World Cup. But we won and after everything was okay.
<laughs> this is terrific to see, isn't it, Johan? Yeah, so many happy Moroccan fans. <laughs> They're coming in their numbers, waving the red flag. Yeah, well, let's go to that game against Spain. It's, it's incredible. Um, I was there. I don't think I've heard a noise like it in the stadium. Two things to ask about that. Take us through the penalty shootout, what your mindset was, and also the crowd. How much did the crowd help you in that game, in all the games? Yes, actually, all the games, I, I'm i only focus, focused in my job. I don't think about other things, if we will win or if we will lose. I only try to do my job in the best way and uh, don't think about other things. So, yes, against Spain was difficult because emotionally, you know, you play in Spain, a lot of time in Spain, so you play against a lot of players you know, and uh, there is a lot of friends of mine that are from Spain. And the game before was against Canada, and I was born in Canada, so it was two games very difficult for me to, to, to prepare. Yeah, but after uh, everything was good and... and and it was very good sensation. The Moroccan people were, were was very happy. On to Portugal, you made some incredible saves in that Portugal game. The save from João Felix stands out. Everyone wrote you off again in that game. Did you really think you could you could beat them though with Ronaldo and all all, the, all their their star their star players? Every week we play against big players, and I know them from La Liga. But with national team is different because. It's your country and uh, for the people it's incredible that Moroccan can beat so Cristiano Ronaldo yes it was incredible sensation and then the semi-final against France what were your emotions afterwards were you, did it take a while to, to sink in and for you to, to have real pride in what, what you did was it disappointment for a little bit how, how long before you could look back on it and think wow this is incredible achievement yeah when we arrived against uh, France we, 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 we was thinking about the final you know because when you arrive there you think more and you, you want to arrive uh, to, the, to the maximum and uh, yes after the, the game it was very sad but after the World Cup, when the weeks, you understand that it was a big tournament. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. For us, and that's true against France, we arrived very tired with a lot of injury of our players, important players. 
but I think the the team show very very good image from from Morocco. Everyone is asking how how did Morocco do it? Is there one thing you can point to to how you did it? What the main strength of the team was, or the main strength of behind the scenes? What, what do you think was the main reason Morocco was able to go so far? I think first the talent of players because there is good player. The coach was very important because he understood very good uh, what we we have we have to do in the games and the plan of every games. That's all. It was uh, like mentally and uh, sometimes you know there is a Moroccan player or African player have like a complex you know mm. when you have when he has to play against European or South American teams. And they think it's uh, inferior, you know. It's Morocco show that it's possible, and the next World Cup, I'm sure that others African team will do the same, you know. Morocco uh, invites a lot in football, and they put all the condition for us and for the next generation. And uh, I think it's uh, it's important things. One of Morocco's World Cup heroes, the goalkeeper Yassine Bounou. My name's John Bennett. You're listening to Sports World on the BBC World Service. And we're in Rabat, the capital of Morocco. It's a bustling city located on the edge of the Atlantic in the northwest of the country. Rabat is known, among many other things, for its UNESCO World Heritage landmarks, including the Hassan Tower, the minaret of an incomplete mosque, and Kaspar of Odaya a fortified area of the city which both date back to the 12th century. Right next door to Rabat, over the Bouragreg River, is the neighbouring city of Saleh. That's where we'll find what's become the home of football in Morocco since 2019, the Mohammed VI complex. It's about 15 kilometres east from Rabat city centre. And what you notice on the journey, looking out of the windows, is the amount of football pitches there are for the public to use here. Not just old playgrounds or sand patches, genuine quality all-weather astroturf pitches. I've counted about five that I've seen on just this half-hour journey that we're taking now. It takes us past the main residence of Morocco's king, Mohammed VI, and then to a white entrance that I can see just ahead of us. This is Moroccan football's HQ and it's something special. This place is huge. Countless state-of-the-art football pitches that I can see in front of me. Modern white buildings. I can see the Morocco team bus inside a huge garage. Over there in, in the distance, there's an Olympic-sized swimming pool as well. This is where the Morocco teams live and work during the international breaks, the men and the women. And it's where the men's team spent 16 days preparing for the World Cup before heading to Qatar back in November. It's also a, a big part of the development of women's football in the country. We're, we're going to get a tour now, but the first challenge is going to be tracking down the tour guide because it really is like being in a, a massive village or a, a small town. We think he's waiting for us over there in the administration building. Let's take a look. 
So nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank so, you. Thank you so much the for the invite. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to Moroccan Football Complex. I'm Hassan uh, Karbouj. I'm a director of uh, Complex Mohammed VI of Football. The, the complex is owned of uh, Moroccan Federation, Moroccan Football Association. It's uh, about 30 hectares with four hotels, uh, with 400 beds here in the complex. We have eight pitches. And we have a good geographic localization here because we are five minutes from Rabat Airport and we are in the beginning of the highway of uh, north-south of Morocco. As you see, the weather is very nice in Rabat. <laughs> it's between, as you are in shirts, so in Rabat, it's between 16 and 26 degrees, so it's very nice. Yeah, let's get out into the sunshine yeah, because course. I want to see some of this complex. Okay. And you can tell me a bit more about the history as well. Yeah. Where are we walking now then, Hassan? So right now we are walking to the building of National Team A. We, we are organizing one uh, session, a FIFA session, in which there is a national director, technical directors of many countries in the world and also the general secretaries. So it's people from all over the world learning today, getting together and learning. But in terms of Moroccan football, do Moroccan coaches learn here is this where they they get their coaching education is this where they come to to improve their coaching exactly we have here a good support and we have a tools as we have uh, uh, amphitheaters and all equipment in order to prepare the training session for coaches for referees also and another uh, training session uh, for our partners like uh, Nigeria, Burkina Faso and other countries in which we are a partner. As uh, you know, we are the first country in Africa who used the VAR for, the, for, for a championa. And it's uh, good for us to, to be leader. So the referees come here to learn the coaches. Walid Ragragi, would he have done a lot of his coach e education e in this complex right here? Exactly. That was Ragragi and the coach, uh, Ciso, the, the coach of Senegal also. And some coaches from, say, yeah. yeah. And also some coaches, they, they were here for their CAF uh, pro license. So the pro license is done here? Yeah, the, the, the first pro license in Africa, it was here. And there were many, many coaches from Africa who have who done it uh, here in complex. We have a TV room here. It's a relaxed room here. Players can come here and uh, drinking teas and playing cards and uh, they are together. What did the players first make of it when they came here? Because they, they used to go to the old place, which you said was a bit run down, looking a bit old. What did they make of it when they first came here? As you know, we have players in a good club. We know their standards, the high standard of uh, professional football in the world. So we had making level of the complex higher in order to have a, a good answer and for players that will be good for them to be in a very nice uh, site in which they, they can find all their needs. Piano lounge. Yeah, so. And we have one, a, a private uh, company for restaurant when they come. So they, they provide all equipment uh, for the restaurant and for players. So we're going down to the gym now? Yeah. In this space we have a fitness, we have, we have a fitness, a spa and swimming pool. What we do also, a player 
many times they can use VAR also in order to see how it works and oh, when. The TV, there's a TV yeah. screen there. That's yeah, to show exactly. the players how yeah. VAR In works. order to know how it works, in order to not be in a conflict with the referees, etc. And do you see the photos? Because Real Madrid were here in the World Cup ah. of clubs two weeks before they were champion. And we had surprised them by this photo because... They were a champion in 2014. They were in Morocco, so we have put in this for their uh, spaces. So Real Madrid stayed here exactly. b- before they won the Club World Cup, which took exactly. place in, in Morocco. This is, they used all the facilities. Exactly. And they were here in the complex. Here we've got the bikes, we've got the weights, we've got the running machines. We've got the slogans on the wall as well. Je ne perds jamais, soit je gagne, soit j'apprends. I never lose, I either win or learn. Yeah, I don't stop when I'm tired, I only stop when I'm done. And this is an important room, isn't it, Hassan? Yeah, it's a prayer room, it's for players. When uh, they want to do their prayer, they can find it in the hotels. And they, they don't need to move to other space. That's why we think about all needs for the national team A players. Talking to the players, they all talk about the togetherness that the squad yeah. have. That's what helped them at the World Cup. Do you think it helped having somewhere like this? It's a good uh, place and good uh, site for, for a national team A players because all program is together. As we have auditorium, we can provide uh, karaoke for them. They can know really and they, they can... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. And make fun here. They can do many activities. They do karaoke, really. They have uh, snookers here. They have uh, many, many things in which they can use it in the complex to make uh, fun a little bit, if, even if they are professional. Oh, I wish I'd asked uh, Yasin Bunu what song yeah. he sang now in the karaoke. Hassan, <laughs> oh. <laughs> where are we walking now? I can see a training session going on here. It's under 15. Girls uh, returning back from school. They are in our program of sport and study, and when they return back uh, at 3 p.m., they have their uh, second uh, training session. Uh, they have the first one at 7.30. They take their shower, breakfast, and they go to school. So these are the yeah. best, best young footballers from around the, the country. They come here, big, they big. do their coaching, and they also do their education off-site as well. It's exactly. socialization to be with the other uh, young boys and girls. Uh, they return back here in complex because we don't want to have a VIP <laughs> ghetto. So that's good for them to be in society and to learn and study with other... Uh, to have a normal school. life, to go out ex- normal ex- school and then they come ex- back ex- here exact. and do their training. So everything here, men's football, women's football, youth football, right. futsal. Hassan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the right. tour. You're welcome.
Well, I have to admit, part of me just wants to hang around here at the Morocco National Team Hotel, maybe watching football on the four TVs in the lounge or hanging out in the, in the piano room. But we have to find out more about this complex, how important it's been for the team and, of course, how expensive. I am Omar Khiari. I am the advisor to the president of the Moroccan Royal Football Association, Mr. Fouzil Qza, and I am in charge of the communication and the international relationship of the federation. Omar, we've had a tour around the complex. Just give us a bit of history. Why was it built? When was it decided that you needed this? And, and what was the strategy behind it? So basically, there was a strategy uh, launched by His Majesty the King Mohammed VI of, uh, of, uh, of Morocco. May God assist him. In 2008, he explained its vision for, for sports. So us, at our little uh, level, into the Football Association, we worked a lot in our model of football development, a Moroccan model of football development. The first pillar was about the infrastructure. So we have built stadiums in Morocco. We have today more than six stadiums which have the homologation of uh, CAF and FIFA, both of them, because we were uh, biding for the FIFA World Cup. And then we have uh, built uh, the complex uh, Mohamed Sixers football. It was very, very short um, construction. And now we are building in each region of Morocco Little Mohammed VI football complex. Uh, we already have one who have opened in the north of Morocco and 10 others are coming. We have also worked on uh, the, the training centers of the clubs and also we have worked on the grassroots. We have built more than 1,000 football pitches in Morocco in all the regions. So for the amateur football and also for just uh, people who want to enjoy and play game with their friends, uh, they have this possibility everywhere in the country. It all comes at a cost, doesn't it? Is, is that controversial, how much money is being spent on, on football in this country? Because it's many people around the world and I'm, I'm sure in Morocco struggling at the moment there's cost of living crisis around the world No it's not controversial at all so first of all all the government of Morocco is uh, helping into the infrastructure because it's not only football association the cost of this Mohamed VI football complex is approximately 60 million euros if I remember but before that Moroccan Royal Football Association has the obligation to rent hotels cars football pitches so in our uh, strategy this Mohamed VI football complex we will earn money after only five years. We will have our investment. Government is giving only 5% of the Moroccan Football Association budget. Only 5% of the budget comes to us and 95% uh, is coming from sponsors. I've noticed walking around the complex, lots of young footballers training, particularly young girls. And also I know there's another complex, isn't there? There's another academy, also called Mohammed VI, which is not far away, which produced four of the players who played at the, at the, at the recent World Cup. How important ha has that been? How much money has been pumped into producing the next generation of talent, both for men and for women as well. Our King Mohammed VI, may God assist him, presented its vision for sports. They directly started the construction of the Mohammed VI Football Academy. So that's different to this place? Yes. Yeah. So I will explain. The Mohammed VI Football Complex, where we are now, is dedicated to the national teams of Morocco, both women, men and the youth categories. We can put it at the disposal of our clubs when they have important games. For example, uh, the, the last year, with that Casablanca was playing the, uh, the final of the Champions League, so they came and prepared them. And we have this academy, Mohamed VI Football Academy, which is dedicated to the talents. It's an academy where they take young uh, boys and young girls and they try to put them in the best condition and to train them so they can be 
in the top league of Morocco or to go directly into Europe. We don't want to say, oh, it's a surprise that we went to the semi-final. We want to go to the final and we want to win the World Cup and we want to win everything. So we are trying to put at the disposal of our people in the Moroccan football family all what they need so we can succeed and bring titles to the Moroccan people. One other important factor in the World Cup success, I think, was getting the best talents who have Moroccan heritage but have been born in other countries and been brought up in other countries. How much importance has been placed on that, finding these youngsters? Is that something that's been worked on as well? Yes, of course. When you see the history of our country, uh, you can notice that 10% of our population is living abroad. So for us, it's very important. It's something that is positive for us. We have scouts, of course, in a lot of uh, countries when you have an imported Moroccan diaspora, for example, in Belgium, Netherlands, Spain, uh, France, also Germany as well. They are doing their job to attract the, the, the guys to play with us, of course. But as our coach, Walid Regregui, said uh, before, it's a feeling. 14 of, of the 26-man squad were, were born outside Morocco. You think in Morocco you'll find them quite early when they're teenagers, would that be fair to say? Yes, and I think it's a good strategy from the Moroccan Football Association. So those players are engaged with us from the beginning of their career. Now, Ghana, Nigeria, they are trying to, to do the same as us, and we think that it's very important. Why? Because for us, the, as Mr. Fouzil Khaja is saying, the success of the African football will not be individual. We want maybe, inshallah, in the next World Cup to have three, four uh, other African countries to be into the, the quarter-final and to go to the semi-final and to go to the final, and we need to bring the World Cup into Africa. That was Omar Hari, an advisor to the Moroccan Football Federation president. You're listening to the BBC. My name's John Bennett and we're in Morocco to find out how they're becoming one of world football's new success stories. So the way, as Omar was saying there, Morocco have brought in players born overseas early was vital to their successful run to the semi-finals of the World Cup. Back in 2014, the Football Federation launched a Bring Back Talents Belonging to the Soil campaign. Since then, the likes of Chelsea's Hakim Ziyech in 2015, Sofian Bafal in 2016, Sofian Amrabat in 2017 and Bayern Munich's Nusser Mazraoui in 2018 chose to play for Morocco. So what's it like to be tracked down by the Moroccan scouts and the Moroccan Football Federation? We're going to find out now from another member of the history-making 26-man World Cup squad. He was discovered in Antwerp, but he's now a fan's favourite in West London. Cher onto his right foot. Yes! Elias Cher's done it again! Queen's Bar Rangers have tried and tried, and finally the diminutive Elias Cher has come up the goods. Hello, I'm Elias Cher. I play for QPR and I'm a Moroccan national team player. So I was brought up in Antwerp. I have a Polish mom, Moroccan dad, yeah, brought up in uh, the middle of Antwerp. So there's a lot of cultures I have to deal with there. For, throughout whole, uh, our whole squad, so many different cultures. You've got people that were half Libyan, half Moroccan, born in, in uh, Holland and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was just great to see uh, like everyone meshed together so well and uh, everyone understanding each other and just having a good time. Um, and then on the pitch, uh, be like uh, the real Atlas Lions that we are and um, making everyone proud, making the country proud uh, and making ourselves proud, you know. So it was truly unbelievable. 
And we're looking at reasons why Morocco did so well. And one thing that always comes up is the talent identification, finding the young kid in Antwerp that's got Moroccan heritage. Do you remember when they first approached you? How, how, how did they find you? To be fair to, to Morocco, they have quite a lot of scouts all over the world. I was playing in Belgium with my previous club, Lierse, and then one Moroccan scout spoke to my dad and then said, can we get him into the Moroccan uh, under-20s at that time? Obviously, you always dreamt about playing for your national team, you know, so there was a no-brainer and then just went on and, and played for the Moroccan national team and once you're in that system, basically, they will know about you, so it was fairly easy after that. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Making on the 23s and then uh, a year later going to the first team squad which was a, a, a proud moment for myself, for my family. It's something that you can only dream of, you know what I mean? So as a young kid, I always dreamt about playing for Morocco and then seeing all these players on TV and then one day you, you're there yourself and making history, basically. So, yeah, it was something, um, like I said before, you, you will hear me say this, but it's so true, so it's unbelievable, basically. Did it make a difference that they found you so early? So this... This wasn't Morocco approaching you when you're a, a star player at QPR when you're on TV scoring great goals. This is Morocco finding you when you're really young, you're in the, a reserve team. You obviously were confident you are going to make it, but who knows? Yeah. Did, did that make a big difference? Yeah, it did. It did. That right there took, like, told me a lot of Morocco, you know, because from the outside, the outside perception was always like, yeah, um, Morocco, good players, but never really seen the Moroccan national team on, a, on the highest stage and the recruitment uh, the last couple of years have been unbelievable and I think more Moroccans now want to play for their country because you got like like you said before you've got a lot of culture so a lot of people can choose for, for different for different countries I mean like just pick an example like Fellaini he's Moroccan and, and Belgian and he chose to play for Belgium but I think um, I think it's really changing now and I think um, people are really choosing their African countries to play for. I know it's not an easy decision because it's Africa and it's seen different still if you look at Europe but that's what made a difference for me when they came and spoke to me and they were so keen on getting me to Morocco. If someone wants you, you like you feel special and you just want to do well for them. And is that the same for a lot of your teammates as well in that Morocco squad that they came to them early, do you think? Uh, yeah. So, for example, I played with, on the 20s with uh, Nusra Mizrawi, that plays for Bayern now. So uh, I knew him for, what is it now, eight years. So we go way back. Hakimi, he was uh, with the under-20s as well. Nasiri, he was with the under-20s. They can spot talent really quick. That's the strength that they have. They just don't pick whatever, the best player at the best club available. So that's something that uh, Morocco really stands out for. So it's all these different backgrounds, all these different languages. How important was Walid Regragi to bringing all this together? Because we're always told what an amazing atmosphere it was in the squad. What that man did is, is something that I've never seen before. I mean, he got the job, I think, what was it, three months before the, before the World Cup started. And I remember we went out to USA and got beat by USA 3-0. And 
it was kind of worrying because USA is a is a very good country, but not looked at as as they could do something in a World Cup, you know. So, and we got beat by them, and then everyone started like to worry about oh, the, when the World Cup is going to come around, we're just going to be there for a couple of weeks and then just go back, fly back. And um, when that man came in, basically changed everything, brought the squad together, made it a real family atmosphere, and then on the pitch, everyone wanted to fight and to to make sure that they get the best out of themselves and to work hard for the team. Maybe sometimes it's not pretty, but you know, you get at the end of the day, you come off that pitch with a smile on your face because you won a game, you know. So, uh, what he did when he brought everyone together, brought all our parents as well, um, spoke to our parents, a really lovely man. It's like you're speaking to a brother, it's not even you don't even feel like speaking to a manager. That's the whole thing with him. It's, it's so crazy. So, yeah, what he did is uh, truly uh, unbelievable, and I hope he gets the chance. Uh, for one day to do it uh, uh, even on a bigger stage than he already did it. I was really impressed by him when I was in a press conference at the World Cup and he spoke in four different languages. Was it like that in the dressing room? Did you speak to particular players in, in a certain language or was it just the team talks in one language or you take you aside, speak to an English, speak to an, some players in French, some players in Arabic? Yeah, so what it is is everyone kind of understands French apart from a couple of players, apart from the Dutch players, because the Dutch players, don't, uh, they don't have a clue in French. So, <laughs> And you've got about, what is it, three, uh, three, yeah, three Dutch players. So then he spoke in English as well for the Dutch players, and he speaks Arabic to the, to the native guys that live in Morocco, and then he can go even German sometimes. So, yeah, he got, he got a lot of languages, and I think uh, it's really important for a manager as a national team manager because you've got so many players from different countries nowadays that is something really important to have that conversation to have that bond that you can speak in any language to him um, so I challenged him to, to start uh, picking up on uh, Belgium but I don't think that's going to work uh, anytime soon Morocco winger Ilias Chair singing the praises of his international manager Walid Regragi we cannot leave this country without talking to Walid Regragi he is coming up very very shortly but we've heard about the way Morocco's football HQ has inspired the team. We've talked about the huge investment here in this country in the sport. Ilias has just told us about the way they found talented players like him born overseas and how the manager brought them all together. I think the one common theme in all that is attention to detail. The attention to detail in every area which seems to be being put in here in Morocco when it comes to football. And there's no bigger example of that attention to detail than the next person we're going to talk to. Harrison, nice to meet you. How are you? I'm John. Hi, John. Nice to meet you. Thanks for your time. No, it's a pleasure. Harrison Kingston, Director of Performance Analysis here at the Royal Moroccan Football Federation. So it's quite wide-ranging. Initially was to create and set up a department for analysis here with the Federation, not just for the national team, but for all national teams, all categories. So we've started to develop that. At the same time, obviously supporting the national teams through analysis experience I've had from England, bringing expertise in certain places as well. The third part to it really is developing the Moroccan League at the same time so we want to help the clubs we want to help the guys who are in jobs it's kind of a new profession here when it comes to the FIFA dates and the tournaments it's our priority and it's what we concentrate on but outside of that we're trying to develop and you know ultimately leave some legacy here as well and you had a front row seat very much involved in what happened at the World Cup 
that incredible run to, to the semi-finals. What's your perspective on why the team was able to go so far and why they had that much success? I think a key moment in my mind was the Belgian game. And I'm going to talk selfishly, but the, the free kick, we scored twice. And I spoke with uh, all the free kick takers before every game just to say there might be something here, you know, have a look at the goalkeeper, have a look at the setup of the wall, whatever it was. And with Belgium, you know, it was just before half time, we had ZH cross. Size just offside, but it was close and Belgium didn't learn. So then the second half, um, Siberia come on and the same moment. So I think up until that point, we'd stayed solid. We stayed compact and we defended and being a tournament, this was important. Don't lose your first game. It's always going to be decided 1-0, 2-1, games are close and a set piece will be the difference. And for me, that was then the catalyst. Not only have we defended well, but now we actually believe we can go and score against these teams like Belgium, like Croatia, like Canada, like Spain and Portugal. So... It was a key moment in the work in terms of what we'd done up to that point. You know, sometimes you can use data in a real pure data sense, but the last World Cup Morocco played in, they played very well, but they went out of the tournament because of two set pieces. I think 95th, 96th minute against Iran, 1-0, and then fifth minute against Portugal, I think, and set pieces, two games finished. They played well, 2-2 in the last match, Spain, but they were going home. So no matter what they did for 95, 98 minutes... It was 10 seconds that decided their tournament in two games. And it's worth mentioning too, Harrison, you don't just work for, for the men's Morocco national team. You also work for the women's Morocco national team. And you're going to be a big part of the backroom staff heading to the World Cup coming up, coming up later this year. Yes, so worked with the, the group and the staff for the last African Cup of Nations here in Morocco. It was a fantastic tournament hosted uh, by Morocco, showcasing women's football, you know, in a culture which perhaps is not as used to seeing the, the women's games. So the coaches have asked, can we continue the, the workflow we had for the African Cup of Nations for the World Cup? And of course, it'll be a pleasure, you know, to go to two World Cups. It is, you know, quite a unique experience. So what we will do is we'll take the lessons of the Men's World Cup which was we had three analysts working with the, with the national team. It was the first time the federation had this. For the women's, we will take at least two, perhaps some support locally here where they can work remotely and send work. So it's going to be a huge challenge with the, the teams we have in our group, the likes of Germany, Colombia and South Korea, whose game has been developed for, I don't know, 20, 30 years before Morocco. So we've got some catching up to do, but certainly we're going there, you know, with uh, the spirit that the men's team have. It's tournament football. We're going to go there and try and create a surprise. Yes, two World Cups in seven months for Harrison, the Director of Performance Analysis with the Moroccan Football Federation. Because just like the men's team, the Morocco women's team is also turning into a huge success story. Remember, we saw how they're bringing the next generation of talent through at the Mohammed VI complex. And the current team have qualified for a World Cup for the first time in their history. They also finished runners-up at last year's Africa Cup of Nations. Meanwhile, in club football, a Moroccan team is currently the reigning African Women's Champions League winners. The head coach of Morocco Women came from club football, but not just any club, the most successful club in the history of women's football in Europe, Olympique Lyonnais. In two seasons in charge, he won the league twice and the Champions League twice. And now, former France international Reynald Pedros is taking Morocco to this year's Women's World Cup. On sent bien. On sent bien, on sent...
We feel good. We feel good. We feel a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of desire. It is true that there are four months left. There is one last FIFA camp in April with two matches against the Czech Republic and Romania, but we prepare it serenely, quietly, without pressure. We have a lot of desire, a lot of desire. We are very happy to go there, but we want to go there to do something, to try to show that Morocco is progressing. Once again, we have a president who is very attentive. We really want the women's team to succeed, and he gives us all the goals that we need for us to be able to succeed, so we can eat well, sleep well, work well. And that's, in football, that's something important. It's a bit of the unseen work of what happens around games. But it's also what is most important. So we are happy for that. And once again, we hope to come back after this World Cup, having done a superb tournament in July. So Reynal Pedros is ready for the Women's World Cup, the Morocco manager. But what about his players? Well, one of the stars of his team isn't actually based here in Rabat, but back in my home country, England. We're talking about Rosella Ayan, who plays for Tottenham in the English Women's Super League. She was born in Reading and played for England at under-17 and under-19 level. But her father's Moroccan and she chose to play for the Atlas Lionesses and not England, helping Morocco to the last Women's Cup of Nations final. She actually scored in that final, which they lost to South Africa. We're going to go inside now to link up with her on Zoom. Hi, John. No, thank you for having me. I, um, I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited, to be honest. You know, for a footballer, it seems like a long time away for myself because, you know, I've got so much before then in terms of um, club season and, you know, we still have another camp and, you know, the preparation stage before the World Cup actually starts. So for me, it does seem like a long time away. But, you know, when you actually look at the bigger picture, it's not at all. So... You know, I'm so excited. I'm I'm really focused. You know, I'm I'm trying to get myself in the best mental and physical shape I can to prepare to be at my absolute best for the World Cup in the summer. Are you setting any ob objectives as a team? You know, we're going to want to get out of the group. That's an objective that I want to achieve. Pedros will probably make that very clear what he wants. But I think, you know, we've got a competitive group. We are not there to just make up numbers. You know, I know what the feeling's like in the squad. You know, last year at AFCON, I said myself, I'm not going there to just take part. I said I wanted to qualify for the World Cup. I made it very clear. And, you know, I'm going to make that very clear again. But as a team, we'll obviously talk about objectives closer to the time. Being in Rabat, we've, we've seen for ourselves that the backing that women's football is getting at the moment in Morocco. How important is that? T tell us more about that and the backing that you've felt. Can, can you feel it as a player in the national team, how much the, the authorities, the federation are putting behind women's football, not just men's football? You know, in the past two years, the Federation have really started to back women's football. And you can see that in the progression that we've made just in the past two years. I think if I'm honest, I think it's important that the Federation are doing that just to support women's football and help us grow. And I hope as the women's game continues to grow, that support continues to grow alongside it because as other federations, other countries support gets bigger and bigger, if we let that gap drop and it doesn't match, you know, we will fall behind all the other countries and nations. But at the moment, you know, it's it's second to none. 
the facilities that they have are world class. We have access to that. And, you know, they are supporting us at the moment. And, you know, we've got another AFCON coming up, which was a major success in Morocco, which I believe Morocco are hosting again. It's just the start of our journey. The way that Morocco women's football can go, you know, it's scary because it could be a we could be a force. And, you know, I'm 27. I wish I was 21 joining now. So I'm jealous of all the girls who are in the under 20s, under 18s, because, you know, Morocco could be frightening. Our time in Rabat is nearly up, but we can't leave without meeting the mastermind behind that run that the men's team made to the World Cup semi-finals. That's why we're back at the King Mohammed VI complex to meet him. Back in May, he was celebrating winning the African Champions League as manager of Wydad Casablanca. Then, just three months later and just three months before the World Cup, he got a call which would change his life. Vahid Halil Hodzic had been sacked as the national team manager, mainly because he'd fallen out with several star players, including one of the very biggest players in the team, Hakim Ziyech who was now refusing to play for Morocco. So the Football Federation brought in Walid Regragi as head coach and the rest is history. We're outside his office now, so let's go and meet him. Walid, hello, hello. nice to meet you, I'm John. How are you? I'm very well, thank Good. you so much for the invitation. Welcome to Morocco. Thank you, we'll have a chat about the World Cup if that's okay. Yes. Looking forward to it, thank you. Walid, thanks so much for talking to us. It's a pleasure to speak to you after, after following Morocco's journey at the World Cup. Um, first of all, what a, what a year for you. I mean, Champions League winner and also taking Morocco to the semi-finals of the, of the World Cup. Has it had a chance to sink in? Have you had a chance to think about what happened, your success over the last year? For sure. It's been an extraordinary year for me and my staff because winning the African Champions League, winning the domestic league title, the championship, plus we lost in the final of the Moroccan Cup in a penalty shootout and brought our country to the semi-finals of the World Cup, something that in Africa and in our history had never happened. It's something we dreamed about. Above all, we gave a lot of happiness to Moroccans, a lot of happiness to the Africans, and I think that at this World Cup we were a bit of a surprise team, and people liked us to see us giving our absolute maximum, because I think that's the image we gave. It's that the players gave their all. There was a really good team spirit. What was the key moment for you? If there's one moment at the World Cup that you look back on, you think that was the key moment which changed our mentality or changed things. Is, is there one moment you, you would pick out one, one game? The first match we played, the friendly against Chile, because it was my first time with the players, I felt that the message had passed through to them because my message from the start, when I traveled to see people individually, players like Hakimi, Sayes, Hakim Ziyech, Mizrawi, it was to tell them we are going to change mentalities so that we do not go to the World Cup thinking we're only going to play three games. We are going to do something big. And after the Chile game, everyone had given the maximum. I felt that the players had followed what I'd set out and we're happy to be together. So I said to myself, if we keep this state of mind at the World Cup, we can really do something. It was the start. Then at the World Cup, I think the Belgium match was the big moment when the players started to believe we beat Belgium. So now we are able to do something bigger. What's life like when you walk around Rabat now? You must be absolute 
Yeah, it's difficult for me today to have a coffee in Rabat. My wife told me, why did you take the team to the semi-finals of the World Cup? You brought yourself more problems. But that's how it is. Listen, the most important thing for me is to see happy people in my country. And still, two or three months after the World Cup, they are still living this dream. And the most important thing for me is to give dreams to my people and let them dream. That's why we have an important match against Brazil. It would be good to play another great match to continue and make these young people dream, and especially the generation that is coming. Because when you're a kid, there are always games that stick in your mind. And having seen this country as a young Moroccan at, for example, 8 or 10 years old, playing against Spain, Portugal, France, Belgium, Croatia, and now Brazil, it allows a young Moroccan from the streets to tell himself that it's possible to realize his dream as an athlete. So sport for me has a value that's important. It is to give dreams to children and young people. And there is nothing more beautiful than that. So if it prevents me from drinking coffee, it's not a problem. <laughs> and what next? Because I know the pressure will be on now. The pressure's always on for a Morocco coach, but you've done so well. Africa Cup of Nations, next World Cup. You talk about the fact that the glass ceiling has been broken. Mm -hmm. How much pressure is on to, to, to be successful at the, at the Cup of Nations? When you finish the World Cup with the staff, we begin to talk about that. It's very important. Yeah, now you begin to, to work, but I think it's a very difficult competition. You know, you have a very good team. Some teams don't, don't play the World Cup, same Nigeria, and you have very, very good player. Uh, Mali, Algeria, Egypt. And with the five uh, countries participating in this World Cup, I think you have 10 teams who can win this, uh, this competition. And everybody is waiting you now in Africa. And uh, also you have the, the big team now. A lot of challenger, you know. But uh, I think it's a good challenge for, for us. The beginning is now. Now you need to show what you can do. It's not only uh, one surprise, you know. And everybody is waiting you now. <laughs> you have a pressure. <laughs> and me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, poor Walid Ragragi. He wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now which is sitting in a coffee bar, watching football on the TV. I think Walid would be mobbed, but luckily I'm having my Moroccan mint tea in peace, sitting back on one of the rows of seats, watching the game, the fans sitting around me, bringing back some really nice memories of seeing the Morocco fans celebrating night after night outside my hotel in Qatar in November and December. And from what we found out in our time here in Rabat, they better get used to celebrating. In men's and women's football, Morocco are looking for long-term success. The men already made history in Doha. Now the women are about to make history in Australia and New Zealand at the Women's World Cup. And this success story shows no sign of slowing down anytime soon.